right, welcome back everyone for the latest episode of Nerd Out. And since I've messed up the intro running on four months straight, I'm just gonna go straight in to say this is where security experts gather and talk about the latest security news. See, I didn't mess that up. Uh, today, like so many other times before, I'm joined by two great panelists, uh, our esteemed colleagues, Bridget Johnson and, and Joe. Bridget, Joe, welcome back. How have you guys been? Pretty good. Thanks for yeah. having us back. Yeah, thank you. Always love, love, love our conversations. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's always insightful. I'm always learning a lot. And, and I know people have not heard the uh, the pre-call type of work, but we just had a really engaging conversations about mosquitoes. So that was always good. Um, mm -hmm. Always positive. So uh, any plans for the summer? You guys had uh, summer is kind of winding down in Florida. We've already started school. So um, you, you may have seen something on the national news about that or once or twice COVID, school starting, all that other fun stuff. But hey, any vacations over the summer? So. <laughs> with the 9-11 anniversary coming up the 20th, 20th anniversary no there are no vacations <laughs> uh actually i I'm, and uh i'm not as busy as bridget my uh my my sort of day job comes to a close at the end of this uh week of the, of the busy season and then I'll, i will take a week's vacation before we come back and uh start into uh, planning for next year but uh yeah so i'm gonna i'm actually coming down to your neck of the woods i'm gonna come down to uh, florida we're gonna go to the keys for a week Oh, nice. Beautiful, oh, yeah. park. beautiful yeah. park. So uh, just stay away from all the open air venue. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no. I, I might get myself thrown out of my own state here, I guess, but uh, we'll, we'll see. But, but a lot of interesting topics have been happening over the last couple of weeks. Bridget, you alluded to one of them coming up. Um, it really has been busy, uh, specifically on the terrorism and extremist front. And that really doesn't account for what's happened in Afghanistan really over the past two weeks. So um, so let's just set the stage real quick. Uh, about two weeks ago, we saw some reports. I think really, Bridget, you're reporting in Homeland Security today on uh, a new Al-Qaeda message uh, was the first thing that really started triggering it for me. Uh, and then last week, we saw press reports about a new Homeland Security memo specifically noting extremist chatter, which resulted, you know, related to upcoming activities, whether that be the 9-11 anniversary, um, as well as items still associated with the 2020 election, if you can believe we're still talking about that. Um, and then late, late last week, nothing like uh, late Friday afternoon announcement, um, uh, DHS released the, uh, their National Terrorism Alert System Bulletin, which kind of expanded upon this. And then Europool also released an update on global terrorist group propaganda. So with all those things in mind, um, did I, I don't know if I missed anything, but Bridget, let's just start with you. Since you kicked this whole thing off with your article, what's the big takeaway from these, these reports that have kind of come out? Well, it kind of made me think of there. There was a um, a meme, a joke meme that I saw that was going around among some terrorism experts at one time, and it was like types of terrorism paper, and <laughs> so it was you know just like listing like a few like different you know things that that you're always seeing in terrorism papers, and one of them was Al Qaeda is still number one, you fools, and the last one was Al Qaeda is still underlined number one, you fools, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm guilty of writing two of those types of terrorism papers, and that would be both of the Al Qaeda ones, um, but you know, I, I'm right. <laughs> they, they structurally, okay, they've lost some significant leaders, um, but even structurally, their longtime allies are back in power in Afghanistan. So they're, you know, their 2022s looking kind of bright. But their psyops game has been and is above the more kind of cut and dry recruitment and incitement of ISIS that you see. Um, this latest video that, that was released by Al Qaeda, um, and this was um, a couple weeks ago, um, it basically you know, it, it formally invited you know people that they were labeling the raiders of Congress, um, etc. And they were you know quite explicit in um, talking about. Um, you know, people who, you know, are, are, were supporters of former President Trump and who were also um, engaging in the type of activity that we saw at the Capitol on January 6th 
Um, they were also, you know, bringing up um, clashes at George Floyd uh, protests, um, you know, different things like that really, really have their ear to the ground on current events in the US and the social media and political conversations that are going on around those events. Um, so a lot of what Al Qaeda is trying to stoke right now is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And, you know, to, to see some kind of, you know, recent um, activity along those lines, um, you know, we saw recently, you know, the case where uh, Boogaloo Boys allegedly tried to make an arms deal with Hamas in order to fund a Bujahadeen, as they called it, training camp. Um, and so this is, you know, basically, you know, Al Qaeda is saying the quiet part out loud. Their terror materials that are out there, um, and we're talking uh, guides, we're talking videos, we're talking not just things for an Arabic language audience that are translated into English and French and Spanish like ISIS does, but items, you know, this was, you know, originally launched years ago by Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula with the Inspire magazine, things that are geared towards a Western audience, things that kind of bounce off what Anwar al-Awlaki would do in order to reach out to a Western audience. Um, so you have these tutorials, you know, pictorials of how to build different devices, tutorials of um, how to train, how to pick different targets, um, you know, different types of attacks to try. And they're out there that takes, you know, it takes a few minutes to find one of these on the internet. You know, they're, they're, they're in the dark web, they're on the um, file sharing sites, they're on social media. And this is open source terrorism. You know, they're there for anybody to take inspiration from these how-to manuals. And Al-Qaeda is also very stark in this new video of saying, hey, if somebody's going to take down America, we don't need to be the ones to do it. And they went so far as to say that it was a good thing that the fourth plane on 9-11 did not hit its intended Washington target. Um, which they didn't say in the video, but we believe was the capital, um, because now they see um, that there are extremist forces who are willing to do that for them. And they say, hey, you know, this, this internal strife, this, you know, um, internal struggle here is like better than anything we could have ever planned. So they're, they're jumping on that and basically, um, you know, offering an, an inspiration, you know, they, they were saying that, you know, for example, to conceal themselves on social media and, you know, um, group and to plot and to recruit, et cetera, um, that was when that they brought up the um, suggestion that some of these these people and groups um, should, as they put it, find what you need in the manuals written for the Mujahideen um, by AQAP, the Inspire magazines. So um, they they have, you know, a very very you know close ear to the ground about um, what kinds of language and what kinds of topics they should be bringing up in order to rile people up. That, that video, it was almost like political whiplash. They were going so far back and forth between um, you know, different talking points that you would see on cable news and, and you know, among some of the more controversial commentators and pundits, et cetera. And they were just they were really going for it. And, um, you know, it, 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 you know, made me think about when you, you saw in the, um, the, the, the NTAS, uh, you know, terrorism bulletin that came out Friday, um, where they mentioned that Al Qaeda had come out with its first 
new Inspire issue in a while. And that was actually not a full Inspire magazine, um, but it was one of their Inspire guides, which takes, um, which they've, they've done after a few different attacks where they, they take the circumstances and they basically do a Monday morning quarterback on it. Um, they'll analyze, you know, what the person did well or what they could have done better and basically how people can apply that practical knowledge to their own attacks. So the, the inspired guide that they issued was one after the, uh, the Boulder shooting, uh, the Boulder mass shooting at the Keene super, supermarket. And there has not had, the, the prosecutors in that case have not ascribed a terror motive to that case. It doesn't matter though, you know, Al-Qaeda sees, um, in, in, in instance like this, and they said, hey, you know, there are some things to talk about with target selection. You know, he was able to get a lot of people who were in line for vaccines at the Keen Supers market. Um, but one of the things that they wanted to talk most about in that guide was, um, hey, you know, we know a lot of people have been telling potential terrorists to go easy and just, you know, get a knife or get a car or something that's a simple weapon that can't easily you know, be, be traced, you know, or be stopped in the acquisition process. Um, but they're like, hey, we're looking at this case and, you know, it was really easy for this guy to get his guns. So they, they proceeded to, to talk in that, ish, that, in that issue, that guide, um, a lot about um, the the, the, the different ways in which potential attackers could find some ease with acquiring firearms in the United States. Um, and one of the but, things but that- basically, I mean, basically they're hitting on everything. They're, they're hitting on all the fr all fronts right now. And they're, I mean, this is really, I, I mean, I mean, this is their maximum maximum effort for using a superhero comics uh phrase you know they're they've got maximum effort right now and then they're really going at it on a lot of different levels and i think they've got reason to be i guess optimistic right well right because it's like when i talk about you know what buttons to push you know when i wrote about that inspired guide urging the acquisition of ghost guns without serial numbers some on social media were going after me for writing about it because they were afraid Al-Qaeda highlighting the loopholes would give power to those who were seeking greater gun restrictions. So it's just kind of a window into, you know, not only is, is Al-Qaeda putting all of this open source terrorism material out there, but they're running this sort of psyops that takes into account political tensions, um, you know, political moods, things like that. Um, and really trying to shift it towards their advantage. Yeah, it's it's really, and that was a, a key part of that whole NTAS the bulletin. Um, there's a lot of great information in there. It is just the the ability of them to use that type of propaganda and the, the to be able to target and influence. And again, we've seen over the last several years, they they aren't coming. They're not Al Qaeda you know, core followers, they're, they're individuals who have been influenced by whether they're even, you know, believe, you know, Islamic radical uh, terrorist groups or followers, or they're just domestic extremism. We're seeing that type of messaging really resonate in some of these attacks. Um, looking at that NTAS overall, though, too, another key element of that, and I want to bring Joe in here, is, is that they specifically called out, and, and um, I, I don't really recall this happening too often in the past, but they specifically cited commercial facilities in, in crowded locations, and, and we're starting to move into the fall. And I think we all, you know, prior to the Delta variant um, pessimism over the last couple of weeks, um, we were all looking forward to the fall, full stadiums for college and pro football, you know, these venues while they're not necessarily been targets in the past, um, we have seen venues targeted. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's the Manchester bombing, of course, uh, in 2017, and we had so, several other incidents. But Joe, from like a venue management perspective, when you see, 
you know, a warning like this come out of this level from DHS, you know, what are your thoughts uh, from a security and preparedness, I guess, area? Um, you know, it's interesting as, as, you're, as Bridget was really just, you know, saying things that are very scary and, and so spot on. And you sort of talked about uh, pushing buttons and it, it's clear, you know, they're, they're trying to push as many buttons as possible, right? And it's very disconnected and, and people are really just being encouraged to just create some type of terror or havoc anywhere they can in any way they can. So to see something come out with the uh, NTAS um, bulletin that says, hey, and now commercial facilities and uh, crowded spaces are uh, should be at an elevated sort of awareness. It, it, it's, I think, scarier than it normally is because we, we all know in venue management, it's just going to start rolling downhill as, as the bigger targets harden. It, you know, it's easier to go down the block to the smaller, the mid-sized venues, the smaller venues, and you can still create a lot of panic in, in your area. Not, not every town has a major 60, 70,000 person or 100,000 person uh, stadium, but they do have arenas and they do have convention centers and they have performing arts centers and they have malls and they have, which could be anything from like a memorial mall or it could be a shopping mall or a, a religious uh, institution, a school with 2,000 students, you, you can very quickly get to a crowded space. Um, and we're not, always, we're not always properly trained. And it's, it's really, really difficult for people who are properly trained to notice the bag, to notice the box, uh, to notice the person who's been parked out front for a week or two or something. So um, yeah, it, it, it gives me a lot of concern for venues um, that especially as, uh, we've, I think we mentioned in the last couple of podcasts that um, as people are coming back to work, they're going to be a little more rusty and the training is a little more difficult uh, and to, to reclaim the level of training you had before we closed down. And then all the new need for de-escalation because people are going to be on edge. So, you know, I feel for the, the security directors around the country who are going to be looking at, um, um, you know, where can this come from? Where's, where, where am I most vulnerable? You know, and I think you bring up a good point, too, about the rust and stuff. I, I even think there's another element, too, there that, you know, we've seen shortages in, in manpower affect so many different industries now. And obviously, the most immediate thing everyone's going to think about is hospitality and retail. And, and I can't get the workers to do those jobs. There are also some issues, very real issues on the security front. How many jobs are still unfilled? Um, you know, moving two to three months uh, past the the reopenings of early summer or late late spring, I, I think you have individuals who may be coming into these security roles that don't have the depth of experience that others had pre-pandemic. So I, I think that's the thing. Joe, uh, is there something that you would encourage, um, you know, these these venue operators when you're looking at at the type of training that may be necessary, is there something to focus on maybe more so upfront or, or what's an area, what, what, what's the big gap there? Well, you, you actually just nailed something that's uh, poignant for so many of the venues across the country. When I talk to my colleagues, that's probably the single greatest issue um, that's related to this particular topic is the fact that they have um, access to well-trained, qualified personnel. I've seen it personally where I'm, I, I work with a couple, I, I have some on, uh, on staff security, but I also have uh, vendors that provide security services. And I've absolutely, without a doubt, noticed a tremendous drop in talent. And uh, you know, so much so where you'll see a guard who's supposed to be on post who's sleeping. And so you have to make sure that you're watching the, the, you know, watching the guards to make sure that they're on post. But you can only squeeze in so much training so fast. And, uh, everybody is still reeling from the, the economic effects of COVID and closure. So it's difficult. I mean, it's easy, it's easy for me to say it's difficult to implement right. when I say, well, you, you've got to figure out a way to pay more because now you have to get to the point where you're really putting some dollars behind critical roles. Um, security is just one of them. You have, you have people who have left their industries in droves. So you have management, you have the people who are training the trainers, um, the supervisors, everything from production to hospitality to um, you know, pick your field. So the, the, I'm seeing challenges uh, in, in lots of um, industries. And the security one uh, definitely concerns me the most because as much as there are some really wonderful training programs out there, uh, AVSS has them. There are lots of independent, uh, I'm sorry, IBM has their AVSS uh, course. 
and other really wonderful uh, training providers, you've got to get people who have that sort of like that sort of innate talent, that sensibility about them. They're, they're aware, their head's always on a swivel anyway. And they're just, you know, the, 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 the foundation for uh, training is there. I mean, the, sorry, their ability to retain the training. So if you can, if you, if you could figure out a way to recruit and retain that top tier talent, I would, I would start in security, uh, the security departments of your venue, if you could. Um, it's going to be critical, especially as uh, people are coming back to your venues in mass. And that's college campuses as well. It's not just someone coming to watch a show. It's just crowded spaces, lots of people coming back. It's very easy to mistake a box or a bag. And there's that, that sort of situational blindness where you've, you've just, it's hard to pay attention to all of these things all the time. So you really want to make sure your staff is, is, is uh, staying on task and that you are encouraging everyone on your team, whether they're in the maintenance department and the administrative department, uh, the development department, it doesn't matter that everybody should be empowered and encouraged uh, to speak up if they see something. I'd rather you report something and be a little embarrassed that it was a silly little thing than say, oh, I, I see that box, I better not say anything because uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want someone to think I'm stupid or, uh, you know, panicking about something that's not important. I'd rather the, the former than the latter, of course, because that's the time it's going to be something critical that you've missed. Yeah, so many great areas in there. And, and again, Joe, your background in this in this area is really impressive. Just it, it it's going to be a challenge. I mean, I think we just are there's so many different issues with getting this done and handled properly. And because that experience that that having those individuals who have been around the block once or twice, not that not that you can't bring on somebody, and put them through the mandatory training. There's there's a there's an instinct sometimes there's a gut feeling and there's a this just doesn't feel right. This just doesn't look right. That's that's important. And you can't it's an intangible. You can't necessarily put your finger on it all the time, but it's there. And I think that's really important. I think, you know, all these things coupled together, the increased threat, the the increased number of groups that are active and out front more than ever um, is really putting, I think, a, a, a tighter squeeze on, on venues and, and industries in general. Um, when I go back to another part of the NTAS um, and really dealing with the misinformation, disinformation aspects of it, um, Bridget, you were talking about a cartoon you saw earlier you know, and it's Al Qaeda at the end. I saw one where they had four horsemen on, uh, you know, sitting out there, and they're all with different labels of death and destruction. And and a new guy comes rolling up, and they all look at him and go, "Who are you?" And they said, "Information." You know, the newest way of death and destruction. Yeah. And so I thought thought that was particularly relevant. Um, this was, you know, this was a key element. You know, to your earlier points, Bridget, about Al Qaeda and their 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 media. Um, outlets that have been pushing stuff, but also in so many different areas that are part of our normal life now, whether it's vaccines, whether it's still the 2020 election, it'll be the 2022 election here pretty soon. It's COVID in general, it's the Delta variant, whatever you want to say it, we really, um, you know, we've seen We've seen the effects, and it's not just the 6th of January incident at the Capitol. You know, last week we had in England there was a anti-vaccine group that that hit up what they thought was going to be the BBC uh, news outlet. They wanted to protest and go in and, and you know counter the BBC programming, who was they felt was pushing vaccines. These there's a little bit more aggressiveness in these protests and demonstrations now. Um, you know, is is. Bridget, where does your mind go to when you see incidents like that? Are, are, are these the anomalies? Are these the, the exceptions, the one-offs? Or, or is this the new wave that's, you know, an emboldened society that's not going to take it? I, I mean, the more when, when people call themselves, well, when they use the symbols of independence and freedom to kind of label into their own movements it it's kind of scary on a lot of fronts yeah and in the the ntas bulletin you know specifically said that law enforcement has concerns that the broader sharing of false narratives and conspiracy theories will gain traction 
in mainstream environments, resulting in individuals or small groups embracing violent tactics to achieve their desired objectives. Now, you know, with what we saw with the BBC Raiders getting the wrong office, you know, we love dumb extremists like the NYC subway bomber who couldn't follow the Al-Qaeda directions right and just hurt himself with the bomb, but we can't count on their stupidity to save us. So um, I, I kind of look at, yes, you know, something like January 6th is possible again, but, you know, look at what happened after 9-11 where terror where islamic terrorist groups were you know to the point of just like yeah you know that was a great big attack and it was very symbolic and it was you know pretty awesome but as time went on they they encouraged people to do smaller smaller scale attacks and uh to the point of almost emphasizing a death by a thousand cuts sort of strategy um so i would be wary at this point of smaller scale attacks Things like kidnappings, you know, we can even go back to what the militia Michigan plot was to kidnap the governor there. Um, they were hoping that that would catch on and that other people would want to, quote unquote, take down their tyrants um, or even assassination attempts. Um, things that are kind of like within the, the skill set, um, you know, or, you know, uh, ability of the particular extremist or group of extremists that you're talking about. But one thing that was also noted in the bulletin was that, um, you know, Russia, China, Iran, you know, media outlets linked to these governments, you know, are basically running their own disinformation ops that are intended to stoke tensions in this country. Um, they're amplifying COVID-19 conspiracy theories, um, and the bulletin specifically noted that in some cases they have been amplifying calls for violence, targeting persons of Asian descent. Um, that was a really concerning line in the, in the bulletin. Um, so, uh, you know, I think also we have to be concerned not only about people using disinformation to, um, and misinformation, to um, stoke violence or extre other extremist activity, um, but how people are using information that is out there too. You know, what a lot of people haven't talked about, but is already driving more chatter, and I've seen it, you know, and could propel extremist recruitment and activity was the census report that came out last week showing more diverse and a multiracial America. Um, you know, I saw people being whipped up over the great replacement theory, um, which is used among white supremacist, neo-Nazi uh, and nationalist groups. Um, and that could stoke something uh, toward particular communities along the lines of what we saw with the El Paso Walmart attack. So there are just, there are so many lines of extremism right now. And I think that that was really captured in the NTAS bulletin as well about, um, you know, just how many, how many tangents they have to follow right now. There's not only the anniversary of 9-11 coming up, um, there are Jewish holidays coming up in September um, that could, you know, be a catalyst for acts of targeted violence, as they said. Um, and you know the, the 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 different COVID measures, grievance-based violence, um, and things you know coming through foreign influences. So there's just a, a major stew out there. Yeah, it, it seems like every time we try to put something behind us, it, it seems like it just really we're just addressing it with a band-aid, and then it's now this is a really and I, I really look at this coming up next four months the end to the end of the year is a really critical time I mean we've got a lot of um, angst and anxiety there's a lot of frustration I, I mean I'll just go off on a little bit of a tangent here with the Afghanistan pieces we have a lot of service members I, I mean I was a former uh, member of the army and and I deployed on a couple occasions we have a lot of service members who have are now feeling a very 
they have a very concerning feeling about what has happened and how things happened and a lot of issues about you know who's to blame for the work for what the perception may be and and again it's not always right but the the feeling maybe is my the time the four or five deployments i went to afghanistan were for nothing when i was told that they were for something and then i was just you know it was just thrown to the side and these are who the you know that we it, it's well established you know former military and law enforcement are who these groups target they they like to target these groups for a lot of those same reasons and i think we have a <clears throat> excuse me we have a period of time upcoming. We've been talking to mental health. We've been talking about COVID restriction. We've been talking about all these stressors on individuals. And it's coming to a, a point where it, it's getting very uh, challenging. Um, Joe, I, I want to switch to a little bit of the COVID part. Um, you know, venues, and mostly as it pertains to some misinformation, disinformation, venues have been transformed over over this last 18 months or so, um, they, they've become multifaceted and not just because they can, you know, host a baseball and a football game in the same venue. It, it's really, they've been able to be sources of where a lot of these things have been taking place, health, you know, COVID testing, then COVID vaccination sites. Um, you know, obviously the anti-vax issues are, are big, still the, the disinformation about COVID in the first place, where it may stem from and, and so on continues, even with the Delta variant. Have you seen anything on your end from a facilities management standpoint of where these venues, I mean, we've seen isolated incidents, but have you seen anything uh, where there's some real concern that this misinformation, disinformation may need, may bleed over into those areas? Yeah, there's right now, the, a lot of my colleagues are, are discussing um, um, whether or not they'll require proof of vaccination or negative test in order yeah, to enter right, facilities, right? right? So the, with, then that takes you to the natural conclusion of like, okay, how, what type of expert do I need to become so I can... I can look at your vaccine card or the app that you show me and verify that it in fact is, it is accurate and, and valid. So once the, all the venues decide, and I think it's overwhelmingly moving in the direction where most venues are gonna require some type of vaccination, proof of vaccination and or negative test, um, both for visitors and for uh, you know, people who are working the venue and are performing or playing at the venue. Um, but, the, but you know, we, we touch on this thing about information, which is, I think, the biggest source of frustration is that we live in a wonderful information age, so we all have access to information. And that's also the worst thing that's happening that's is right. we all have access to yeah. this information. And DHS actually has a pretty good uh, media literacy and critical thinking online guide that sort of helps people try to discern some of the information that they're reading to see if it's legit. Check the author, triple check the source, check the URL, look for spelling errors, et cetera and try to just carve through some of the stuff that's put out on purpose to just confuse us, incite stuff, troll us, et cetera. So um, yeah, I, I am seeing venues trying to tackle with uh, post-COVID, or not post-COVID, during COVID, right? Still here, it's gonna be here forever. It's not gonna go anywhere. We're just hopefully gonna have a, a better um, time dealing with it. Um, it's, I think we're all gonna get COVID. Eventually, even those of us are vaccinated because that's what happened. We all get colds, we all get flu, we all get strep, we all get stomach viruses, we're all going to get COVID, et cetera. So if we can just, as a country or as a globe, uh, pull together um, and, and get as many people as vaccinated as possible, try to carve out this nonsense about, uh, what was it, 5G or Bill Gates trying to inject things into us, like whatever this stuff is um, that people believe, um, that, then we'll actually be able to sort of get back to whatever the new normal will be. Um, and we can get back to doing the things that are important, not just talking about COVID, which I don't know about you guys, but I'm so tired of the topic. I always laugh at the people who say that the, the government has implanted something into the vaccine to to uh, to track you. And meanwhile, they're carrying around an iPhone or a yeah. Samsung I'm, Galaxy or something. You know, like in the hey, driver's hey, license in my wallet that I got yes. from the government. Right. Hey, yeah. For passport. Hey, hey, hey. Exactly, but the COVID one, they'll they'll get it. I, I mean, it, it's 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 quite uh, it's quite interesting. Um, I, I just want to wrap up with this part, and we'll transition to some other questions here, short short burst questions. But Bridget, I, I know COVID uh, obviously had a very personal impact on you. You again wrote up a very 
uh, thoughtful piece uh, again this year, just a couple of weeks back. I uh, really want to, again, applaud you for, for coming out and, and, and doing that. I really think it's through those efforts that uh, are really important to making people understand that, you know, these things are not always just about you. It's about others and, and those who may be, um, you know, exposed to that. I just want to give you the floor for a minute. If you have something you may want to say about it or, or to end on, and then we'll switch over to the quick hit questions. Yeah. I mean, um, Saturday will have been my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Mm -hmm. And, um, so of course, you know, my father will be alone that day. Um, and, um, when I sat down, you know, to write about it again, and it was really hard because it, it, you know, opened fresh old wounds. Um, but there's just such a huge sense of frustration um that it's it's kind of hard to it's really hard to take you know the 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 almost kind of increased belligerence you know from the anti-vax and the anti-mask crowd um especially when these pandemic control measures are not a big hardship right um, and, you know, I understand that my mom was not being as careful as she should have been. And, and we think that she caught COVID eating out in a restaurant. Um, but, you know, viruses don't, you don't, you know, happen in a vacuum, you know, somebody gave the virus to her and she could have, you know, and she was out, you know, that the next day or whatever she could have given it to somebody else without knowing so um yeah so the the whole personal freedom it's my right it's my body thing is just you know is 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 raining so hollow but but you know to the when we get to the point too where it's now you know we're having medical personnel threatened um right. you know proud boys at that anti-vax rally in la where somebody was stabbed um and it's it's things 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 are not going in the right direction um i feel that um the the people who have dug in against pandemic control measures um are are, are, are you know also falling prey to a lot of disinformation you know like like for example there was um uh, one pundit shall we say <laughs> Put out um, on Twitter, um, it was last week that you know the CDC had put together a document to discuss putting high-risk people in the camps to shield low-risk people yeah, from yeah, them. Right. And that was completely false. You know that was talking about a July guidance last year that was addressing humanitarian settings such as refugee camps and how to help protect high-risk individuals from COVID in those camps. So how that goes to, they will put you in camps, <laughs> you know, that is how anti-vax, anti-mask extremism is created. And when extreme, extremism is created and it's whipped up, um, then you have more potential for violence. Yeah, and I think this is, you're actually right, and I'll call it Candace, Candace Jones, I think is who it was. Um, Owens. Owens, Owens, you're right. Yeah, yeah, Candace Owens. Again, these people need to be held accountable for these type of actions and activities, and, and frankly, but you're right. I mean, I think it stems back from, from a security and preparedness standpoint organizations, if you're not actively having these discussions um, within your um within your environment, you need to be. And I, I think this is where we're in an area that's really important. It's not gonna end with COVID. It's not gonna end with the vaccine or anything else. There will be a new issue next year or the year after. It won't, you know, we'll have something more to fight about. Uh, but to your point, Joe too, is, you know, the, in the age of this great information and lightning, it's amazing how we've kind of gone secluded and become information isolationists. Uh, within our own little silos. So, our own bubbles, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just, it's crazy. So, 
Okay, well, let's try to, uh, you know, I really, you, your guys, as always, you guys are right on point. You guys are great, great input. I really hope uh, organizations take heed to, to some of the comments that were made here. You can always look at a lot of our information through the Gate 15 resources. Um, Homeland Security Today that Bridget uh, writes for has a lot of great information there. And, and the uh, International Association of Venue Managers, um, I think I got that right. Yep. yep. So, yep. Uh, Joe, um, also a great resource for these type of things. But I want to end on a couple quick comments, uh, quick, uh, quick questions, I guess, quick hit questions, um, just to kind of change a little bit of the mood uh, as we wrap up this podcast. So we'll just go rapid fire through these guys. Um, five questions. Okay. Fall and the holidays are, are right around the corner. We're approaching September. What are you looking forward to the most? We'll start with you, Joe. Uh, I my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I, I love to to do the turkey different each year. Uh, so I haven't figured out what I'm doing this year, but it'll definitely be something uh, interesting and out of the ordinary. Nice, nice. All right, Bridget. Um, I'm always down for Halloween. Like uh, mm. one mm. year, my dog was a Somali pirate. Um, <laughs> one year, my dog was Vladimir Puppin. So please, please tell me there are pictures of this somewhere. <laughs> of course. <laughs> please post them to Twitter or something. <laughs> Don't know what it's going to be this year, but it's, it's going to be good. I will promise. There you go. Very good. Very good. Okay. Next question. We'll start with you this time, Bridget. We'll go snake draft this time. We'll go pick one pumpkin spice or peppermint. Where are you going with? You know, even though it's fun to try some of the pumpkin concoctions and looking at you, Trader Joe's, um, I can only stomach so much pumpkin spice. So, and with peppermint, you get the bonus of minty fresh breath. So, <laughs> all right, Joe. I, 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 I don't think I can do either. I'm, oh, I'm, like, I'm like the black coffee guy. And yeah. I'm like, why would you ruin a perfectly good cup of coffee by putting anything into it? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think the pumpkin, the, we do a pretty mean pumpkin donut here. There's there's one up around. Uh, that I can get into. Yeah, but but I, so aside from something like that, I cannot do it in coffee, though. I'd have to go with the peppermint uh, for coffee there. But Joe, I completely appreciate uh, not wanting to do either either. So, okay. <laughs> so back to you, Joe. We'll do a little security one here. What's the one security pre preparedness step above all else? What's the one item that you lay your reputation on the line uh, for? What, what, if you had one preparedness step, where would it go? Oh my goodness. It's so hard to choose one, but if you force me, I would have to say it's, it really would be situational awareness. You, you've yeah. got to elevate your situational awareness, whatever level you are. If you're a two, get to a five. If you're a five, get to a seven. If you're a 10, get to an 11. Because that really, I think, is the difference because it's coming at us from every which way. So everything from cyber to your your actual critical infrastructure area, access to your place of business, worship, venue, et cetera. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, that's a very good one. Bridget, what about you? So I'm going to go with uh, an insider threats, not just screening the, at the point of hire, but periodically through the time of employment and looking yeah. at public facing, open source, social media, so we have too many cases of extremists or those prone to targeted or workplace violence hiding in plain sight where after the crime there's just like this discovery of oh wait this is what they were posted on instagram that's a great point most people uh check at point of hire and then that's it you can work somewhere two three four five years and you you never looked at it again that bridget that's a really good point thank you i've laid my reputation on the line for that. <laughs> So I, I'm going to go, there you go. I'm going to go in between there a little bit to kind of cut both of them. I think security, education, and awareness, it kind of touches on all of both of those. It can be an insider threat, just knowing who your things are, but also talking about that, just that, uh, in, in, the, the situational awareness of what's around you. I, I think it really is so important to know what the threats are, what to look for, and just be mindful of your your environment. So yeah, that's where that's where I'll go on mine. Okay, back to you, Joe. We'll stink drafting it here. So, what's the one thing uh, you are happy about right now? Uh, got to the end of my season at work, and I have to say, with my new colleagues, I've just been here since January. I was just thrilled at the level of commitment that they have to uh, this organization and things like emergency action plans. Uh, usually, you you you're really like forcing your team to like come to meetings and to participate. 
And here, I really have to shout out my colleagues. They're just, they really were into it. They were well-prepared. They listened, they participated. It was really great. Made my job much easier. Yeah, there you go. Bridget, how about you? I would say family, friends, pets, colleagues, and the fact that the DC cesspool summer (laughs) murder mosquito weather is almost over. I'm going to definitely have to clip that mosquito part and put that at the end there. Uh, (laughs) No, that, that all great things. Great things. I love the fall. It's one of my favorites. Um, And and really just in Florida, it's not so much of the the changing in the colors of the the trees that I so much like, but it is just getting rid of the humidity and Mm -hmm. it's just so beautiful down here in October um, and then we go, my, one of my favorite holidays is Thanksgiving and just being able to, 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 you know, kind of climax at, at, at Thanksgiving is just the best part of fall. So for me, all right. So last questions, uh, this is kind of a fall thing too, is what's your favorite, what's the outlook for your favorite football team? Uh, Bridget going with you first. You, 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 I, I saw some good Trey Lance stuff this weekend. Okay, so the 49ers will probably stink. They're maybe not as much as <laughs> last season. Uh, Trey Lance has potential, um, but I'll love the Niners anyways because that's what being faithful is about. There you go. I'm an Orioles fan, so I know all about it. <laughs> all, right, all right, what about you, Joe? Yeah, I'm going to have to stick with my home team and you know, say Giants, I, I, although I've not really picked my head up yet to see what's going to be happening this season. Um, but I, I, I guess I'm hearing things about uh, – Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert that look like promising. Um, but I'll tell you a little plug for my, my dear friend and we who runs MetLife. I'm sure whatever the game looks like, uh, her uh, guest experience is bar none. So if you're in the area, go to MetLife and say hi to Ann and the team. There you go. All right. Plug out to MetLife. Uh, for my beloved Cowboys, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's been 25, 26 years since they've been even to the uh, – uh, the NFC championship game, which for America's team is just an embarrassment. Um, but I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm hoping they'll do well, but I have zero expectations. So, okay. With that, that wraps up our podcast. So like in traditional fashion, we'll do a promote or plug anything you want to go with. Um, Bridget, we'll start with you this time. Anything you want to promote or plug P2. Yeah, we will be having a 20th anniversary I mean, extravaganza is probably not the right word for it, but um, but a week of really exceptional content from former component heads, agency heads, um, thinkers, uh, law enforcement veterans, fire veterans, um, just tons of, of different contributions across um, looking at not just um, where we've evolved since 9-11, but what the next 20 years are going to look like in those particular security areas. And I, of course, will doing, be doing a piece on terror propaganda, recruitment, and incitement. So, Well, if you aren't following Bridget, you're really missing out because she just, I mean, this the, her analysis on, on terrorism is, is bar none. So I really appreciate that. I look forward to, to reading that, Bridget. Uh, Joe, what about you? Anything to promote or plug? Yeah, again, I'd like to plug uh, the International Association of Venue Managers at IVM.org. Just a really great collection of information and resources for training, preparedness. It doesn't matter your sector. It doesn't matter your industry. Uh, if you're responsible for a crowded space, um, check them out. They've got some really great things from uh, crowd management training to just risk mitigation, preparedness planning, et cetera. So um, you can also uh, reach out to... Um, me and or the uh, security committee that we have, uh, the Venue Safety Security Committee through them as well, BSSC at IABM.org. Awesome. Th- thanks, Joe. Again, everyone, you don't have to do this alone. There are a lot of great tools and resources out there. We will put the, that in the show notes for you to look at and, and go through for sure, because, you know, as more and more of these venues and whether it's, you know, a community hall or, or a large stadium facility, there's a lot of things to be shared and less. And there's so many multi-purpose things now that, that we really need to be doing our part there. So I really appreciate that, Joe. Uh, on my end, if I could promote anything, you know, th- this uh, last week, Gate 15, we published the uh, hostile events attack cycle 
uh, white paper. This is something that we've been working on for several years now. I've, I've published a lot of it. It's, you've seen some of it on Homeland Security Today. Thank you, Bridget. Um, but we've also delivered it out on a lot of different things. We put this together over five years or actually six years now um, or in really looking at it um, giving organizations an awareness to the methodologies and the process that hostile event or hostile threat actors take um, as they are planning and preparing for an attack. They may not knowingly do it or, or maybe subconsciously, uh, but it happens. And if you're tuned in right, as we've been mentioning throughout this podcast here, if you're tuned in, if you're alert and aware, if you're looking for suspicious indicators, um, you're going to be able to observe some of that. And also you're going to be able to identify some gaps and weaknesses within your own security that may be able to be leveraged and disrupting attacks. So check that out. It's on the gate15.global website. Uh, but as I wrap it all up, really thank you for your time. I want to thank our panelists, Bridget and Joe, as always. Great job by you guys. Um, and I want to encourage you all to listen to the Gate 15 channel podcast, Andy Jabor and his Gate 15 interview, uh, Jennifer Lynn Walker and her cybersecurity evangelist podcast, and then the group of us get together for the Risk Roundtable. Almost every week, there'll be a new podcast out on the Gate 15 podcast channel. So with all of that promotion and plugging being done, again, have a great day. Everyone be safe. Check your sources, everyone. Just please validate and check your sources. With that, I'm Dave Pounder, and for Joe and Bridget, thank you, and have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I'm a little bit on Benadryl right now. Nice. <laughs> oh, it's going to be a very interesting conversation. I'm I'm allergic to mosquitoes, and one bit me five times. <laughs> so. What did, what, yeah. what did they say? They're just attracted to sweetness, right, Bridget? I guess so. I guess, <laughs> but it's just that. And all I did was open the door for her to get a package off the porch. Oh, right. nice. Nice. Damn Amazon. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> they um, were lying in wait. <laughs> like, I know someone tasty lives here. Just wait. Mm -hmm. Just wait. Exactly. Somebody put the box there. Somebody's going to be there soon enough. There's a box there. So I actually, I got one bite like in the crook of my arm where you would take blood. So I'm like, that's a surgical mosquito. That's kind of unnerving. You know? <laughs> Experience. This is stuff we should be talking about on the podcast. I might have to put this at the <laughs> yeah. back end of it and uh, say, here's the outtakes of. Uh, <laughs> We thought murder hornets were the only problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Murder mosquitoes. Murder mosquitoes.